0: Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and the reason I call myself that is because I believe in the combination of practical skills as well as the right mental attitude in order to achieve your artistic ambitions. And this is my blog where I share with you my journey and the various trials and tribulations therein, the things that I learned, the things that I'm applying and how you too can apply them towards your life hopefully to make it better to make it easier and things of that nature now before i dive in i would like to take this opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't done so already that way you get all the various episodes that i put out right when i put them out thank you if you just did i truly appreciate it and if you already were subscribed well then thank you as well all right let's get into it so Last week, one of the big things was um, hashtag PitMad, which is for writers an online event via Twitter where writers who have completed works but are unpublished pitch them via Twitter to uh, literary agents, publishers, and so forth. And the way it works is literally you just type out a tweet and put in the hashtag. Uh, PitMad, along with uh, other hashtags that might correspond to your work. So if it's a young adult novel, if it's um, whatever else, right? You put that in. And the idea, or the hope rather, is that you know someone notices your work, literary agent or publisher, and asks to to see it. Now it's not a guarantee that your book will be published. When that happens, but it certainly is a step in the right direction, and so it's a fun event that happens about that happens uh, four times a year, and so there's one more that will happen this year. But this was my first time participating, and I will say overall it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun from the standpoint of I got to know the writing community a little bit more. Like, there, you know, if you search the hashtag, you start to see the various pitches out there, uh, you know, which are obviously the ideas of various authors. And, and not only that, like, it's one thing, I talk about this all the time, it's one thing to have an idea, because ideas are a dime a dozen. But these pitches, these are completed work. So someone had this idea and executed upon it. And that, to me, is the fantastic part, and that I really honor because these are people that went out and did something. They didn't just talk about it. They actually did the work. So kudos to them. uh, And I guess by extension, kudos to me, I'm getting sort of better at uh, accepting praise for myself, which I think, I think you should too. I I think we're all a little bit terrible at it. That's not to say like we need our heads to explode um, because of our egos, but you can acknowledge the great work you have done in the past. Uh, So you know, I, I got to know and read these various pitches and, you know, there's a lot of good ones. And furthermore, the writing community, you would think maybe on the surface, maybe you wouldn't, I don't know. But but for me, there was some sort of worry of like, okay, there's all these writers and, you know, there's not, uh, you know, there's all these writers. So, like, what are we competing for essentially, right? Are they going to be hostile even though there's not, like, an actual, like, set amount of literary agents that will accept X amount of pitches, right, in theory they can accept infinite pitches, it's up to them. Obviously, the book market and, and stuff like that and how they think they can market a book, that dictates it, but it's not a set amount, you know? Uh, but regardless, you know, you would think, like, okay, all these writers would be competitive with each other in that sense, and it... And it kind of went the opposite way. We were all supportive of each other. You know, one of the ways you should show support is you retweet um, the various pitches of somebody else. And so I did that for my friend Emily, who is also my book editor. And um, Emily Krampholtz, who I interviewed in the past. You can check that, that interview. But she, she had uh, a pitch, and so I kind of retweeted her. And then it's cool because other people started retweeting my... Pitches that I didn't know, and I was like, "Oh, cool! That's that's awesome." So I I started kind of getting to know them a little bit. You know, I I would comment or something like that on on their pitches, and uh, you know, it was just great to kind of form that bond. And you know, so people retweeted my stuff, and I would retweet theirs, and yeah, like there was this uh, kinship. Now, to the extent that these uh, newfound friendships, if you want to call them that. Will remain. We'll see, but but it's just I don't know. It's just nice, especially when you look at social media, and I guess particularly on Twitter. F- from my perspective, it has seemed so like politically toxic, and I don't care if you're like left, right, center, it doesn't matter. It just it just seems like two opposing forces at each other's necks the whole the entire time, and so this was just a breath of fresh air uh, to to witness and see. So it really was amazing in that sense, and. You know, the way it works overall is you get uh, you get the ability. I mean, it's up to you to really follow the rules. So, I, you know, I don't know if anyone's broken the rules. Um, but shame on them if they did. But you essentially get three pitches, three tweets of your idea. It could be the same one over and over, you know, throughout the space throughout the day. Or it could be multiple versions of it. So... I chose to go the route of multiple versions. And now about like Tuesday, I really started thinking about it. I was like, okay, if this is going to be on Twitter, I have a, I have a summary that's really well written, but it's definitely longer than 280 characters. And the 280 characters obviously has to include any of the hashtags. So uh, I, I said to myself, let me draft something. And you know I work with Emily again on this, where I drafted uh, three versions and then sent them over to her. And she she helped me make it obviously a lot better. It was one of those things when I when I drafted them. You know, you want it to be good, but at a certain point, you get stuck on this idea of making it uh, making it just fit. So by the end, I it, it, it was like, listen, I don't even know if these are any good. I just know that they fit the character limit. So that that was kind of the obstacle of like making it good while fitting the character limit. Um, so. You know, Emily kind of worked with me, and one of the things that she pointed out was my three tweets were relatively the same. And so she said, if you're gonna, if you, if you're gonna use the three tweets and you know utilize them in the sense that you're gonna say something different, well, then make it vastly different. Don't just kind of make it slightly different. And you know, she wasn't saying like again, it's strategy-wise, like you can say the same thing if you really feel like you have a really strong pitch with just like one. We'll call it a logline, even though it's not technically a logline. But if you think you have a really strong one, yeah, you can just tweet that out three times over, and that's fine. But, you know, uh, she wasn't necessarily advocating that. I could have very well done that and focused on just, like, writing one really good one. But I, I just, you know, for me, my mentality going into it was uh, that that perhaps uh, by sending it, sending kind of something new, may, maybe it gives me all more opportunities to grip somebody. Now the thing of it is like I didn't you know I, I studied and kind of looked into this but there's not uh, at least as far as like what I was able to glean there's not like official statistics and things of that nature um, or maybe if, if I'm admitting anything it's I was too lazy to like really dig in and do my own research of like what sort of tweets uh, in the past have gotten notice at about what time and things of that nature right so it's one of those things you can have a really good hook if you will but you know, tweeted out the wrong time. The, the, there, there's a lot of, I'll call it, I won't call it luck. I'll call it serendipity. There's a lot of serendipity involved with uh, litter, the correct literary agent that would be a good fit for your work, seeing him at the right time. Uh, but you know, it's, it's obviously not gambling because a, you're not like putting in financial stakes. You know, if anything, you, you just stand to gain something. And uh, the downside is obviously minimal. In fact, none, right. Uh, with the exception of perhaps your time. But uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, well, it's a quick tangent. Like, even though you quote-unquote lose time, it's like at the end of the day, it, it forced you to really think about, like, what is my story at its core? Because, you know, essentially, like, it is just the quickest pitch version of your story that you might have to give in the future. So having that be be at your disposal is a good thing. And so once she said, like, your three tweets are essentially similar... I was like, "Okay, let me let me really rework this." So I, I there's three main characters, and I essentially worked each tweet to be kind of from a different perspective. You know, one one each one being from one of the character one of the three characters until you know, but the three tweets covers all of them. And not only that. Uh, you know, because they're vastly different characters, they have vastly different needs. And so I could highlight kind of a, another angle of it, you know, um, like, let's say in, in, in the novel, there's a big concert that happens that everyone's looking forward to. So in one tweet, I could kind of highlight that um, versus like, you know, the bonds of friendship and coming of age and so forth. So, you know, there was, there was an opportunity to play with it. And so I'm glad she kind of pushed me in that direction. And overall, uh, you know, we, we made three tweets that I thought worked really well. Uh, again, the character limit does stifle you a little bit. Now, in hindsight, like, not that I would have necessarily done this, um, but I did see a lot of people do be be sort of creative and utilize, like, the Twitter language to be able to pitch their stuff. Like, mine was very grammatically correct, and I they just kind of essentially write out sentences. But other people, you know, in all caps— would take two titles and, you know, let, let's say like Game of Thrones, um, X for, you know, by uh, and Game of, Game of Thrones. Um, I don't know, I'm just going to go completely weirdo with it and say uh, show, uh, uh, Prospect Park West. Okay. Those are two very different books, right? So Game of Thrones, you've probably heard of Prospect Park West is basically the an equivalent of Desperate Housewives in a novel form, except taking place in Brooklyn instead of Wisteria Lane, right? So in that sense, it, it, for anyone reading, it's like, oh, okay, cool. So wait, Game of Thrones meets Housewives, that's that's really interesting. And then they go into their sort of pitch. Um, some might even like bullet point it or whatever else, put, put like emojis. So there was a lot of very clever things going on. Um, that's not my style necessarily, so, you know, I... I'm not knocking it, but I'm just also not embracing it at the same time. Uh, and to that point, you know, one of the things I haven't really done that I would like to is really kind of go back in on that day and see, because you can tell, uh, the, the, the way it works is a publisher will hit like on your tweet. And if they like your tweet, then that's basically the go-ahead to contact them about your, uh, your, about your work, right? And so it'd be interesting to kind of go through the hashtags from that day and see what did work. Again, going, you know, kind of creating my own research of like time, uh, idea, uh, whatever, and kind of format, like all these various things and see what can be formulated of it. Now, not that it's ultimately formulaic, but it would just still be interesting to kind of see and, and, and observe, right? So it was a fun event. Uh, I did not get uh, any literary agents or publisher to like my stuff. Uh, I don't take that as a failure, it's just, uh, you know, it was what it was and now I can kind of continue on uh, with the query process for my book uh, and reaching out to literary agents more directly and we'll see, you know, and if for some reason I don't get a response before before the next pit mad event then then you know i'll participate again and kind of go from there but uh you know nothing nothing was even though nothing was gained also nothing was lost but i would also it's actually false to say nothing was gained because a lot of things were gained you know i I, like i said i got to know a lot of amazing people and it also in a sense revealed uh, uh some friendships to me now what do i mean by this i I had emailed out uh, a select few people in my life that I really trusted and so forth. And I said, hey, you know, it would mean the world to me if you retweeted uh, tomorrow because of this event. And, you know, I get it. Listen, it's one of those things. Am I saying, like, anyone who didn't retweet that now I'm upset at them for? No, I'm not. Uh, but because I, I can't be, right? We, it's 2020. We all have things that are going on in our life and things of that nature. But I do know there are certain people that chose not to retweet and so forth. And, and this, this kind of leads to a larger discussion that I'm about to get into of things. Um, but it's really the idea of be selective in who, who kind of supports you, right? Who, who supports you should really help dictate kind of the group of friends that you really are around. You know, I look to like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, and they had kind of their group of friends, and they, they, they helped nurture each other and provide ideas and so forth, um, you know, and, and really were a, a support network for each other as they grew within the Hollywood business, and that's fantastic, and I try to, as much as I can, have that with my friends. Now, it's much of a give as much as it is a take, so, you know, you have to participate. It's not just a like, hey, retweet my stuff type of thing. That's not what I'm asking. You know, I very much try to be there for anybody and support people. But there's this notion like, you know, I think at a, at a certain point, you know if someone is being supportive of you or not. And sadly, kind of this helped clarify even further than, than initially of who actually is supportive supportive and whatever else and and not that I take it personally like there's someone in particular that comes to mind who they're just a complainer and it's just they 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 like to complain about x y and z but they never do anything about it and you know there's there's been a number of instances that it's just like like I've seen this person not say anything not respond to you know in like a group chat you know, people would be talking and, and just, you know, weeks would go by. Nothing would be ever said from this person. And like the one thing that perhaps like someone else will say of like, Hey, maybe we should do this. Um, is anyone interested? And that person will just jump in all of a sudden and be like, no. So, you know, if it's okay, if you're not going to participate in the conversation, but then to, to the only contribution that you have is always like, no, and negative. It, it, It's not, uh, it sends a message, one that, you know, doesn't ultimately serve them, right? Again, it's not really about me, it's about them because it's not gonna help them in their life, you know? Uh, People don't wanna work with people who are just constant complainers and and shoot ideas down. It's okay to criticize something, but offer something as well, and I think that's a big issue. So, you know, I think in that way, I really saw that furthered in in last week you know one of the things that that I remember um, you know I, I, I was kind of people hit me up to to ask for my advice or, or my resources and my time and so forth and you know again I, I like supporting my friends I like be there being there for my friends um, even if you know, they're, we're not as close, you know, like we don't necessarily like, you know, maybe we'll like talk um, three times a year um, maybe, and whatever else. But I, I I do try to be there for people and give them the benefit of the doubt. But one of the things that just last week was so evident was people just being disrespectful of, of well, in this case, my time. But I know it, that doesn't just happen with me. Like this is how they probably are to other people. Like, for example, there was an instance where, uh, where someone, we were supposed to kind of meet up and the time that we were supposed to meet up, you know, I was already waiting and I, I get a text of like, you know, 20 minutes after we were supposed to meet, like, Hey, do you want anything from Starbucks? And it's like, you don't have time to go to Starbucks. You, you're you already 20 minutes late, but, but this is the mentality that it's okay. And it just, and it's not like it, it, it could have been like, Hey, I know I'm running late, um would you want anything from starbucks um you know as as an apology gift or whatever right and and it just i don't know for i'm someone that he always tries to value other people's time and so i i think it's it, it is very disrespectful when other people don't value yours and it, it it's just very upsetting the other thing you know i have this other friend who you know I've tried to hang out with a couple of times at this point cause I know he's uh, been bummed out um, and not necessarily in a good place. And you know, there's been times like, okay, I've called him and it's like, all right, let's hang out. And he's like, okay, I'll be right over. And so like, you know, I'll have bought food and, and um, you know, uh, drinks and whatever else. So that way we can just have a fun time together. And, and, you know, this was after like confirmation of like, okay, cool, I'll be there in 30 minutes. 30 minutes goes by. Nothing, you know, and not that I'm expecting him, especially like on an impromptu thing to show up on time. If it's impromptu, that's different. If it's planned, then yes, I expect you to be on time. Just a quick side thing. But uh, regardless, so, you know, he doesn't show up. An hour goes by, text like, hey, you know, just check it in, your ETA, nothing. Um, Two hours, I call, nothing. Next day, call, crickets. I'm like, okay. And then we were supposed to, and do something together so you know uh in the middle of the week and so i called him the day before nothing and by the way this was something that I was planned like weeks ago i'm like okay um and so you know the day of the event goes by and like i don't hear anything i, I have no information it's like I, I was never gonna go even if i did have the information but it's just baffling to me that that this happens, and like, it's it's like, okay, I get it, especially now, we're all in different places, but, you know, the, the the distinction here, and I can say this because I know this person, I've known this person for a number of years, they are a complainer, and they always feel like they're getting fucked in life, and it's like, okay, but, you know, the people that, because I'm not the only one, right, this isn't about me, I know other people in his life that are always there for him, and you know he does this to them he doesn't re- he just blows them off without any explanation and never an apology because he can't give that apology because he's the victim and you know so in that sense like that was another big reveal and it's not just hint like you start to see these things and if nothing if if 2020's kind of made anything clear to me it's be more be more focused on what you what what you you meaning you as well as me want, and only surround yourself with the people that are going to give you that sort of energy and again it's not just a take 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 you have to give as well but but who are the people that you are willing to give to now you know to that effect i've I've given plenty to people who are undeserving, and it's one of those things okay you've revealed yourself to me. Um, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And you know, so if, if you want me to do it again, that's on you. You got to prove to me why it's worth my time. And I'm not saying, listen, we're all we're all human beings. We all we all have to find our way in that way. So it's not like we're, we're, none of us are exempt from making mistakes. But um, but I think one of the things as a culture, as a society, we have a hard time admitting is when we're wrong and apologizing. I think we need to become better at that. and Because I'm, I'm also, I'd like to think, I'm not always the best at it. I would like to think that I'm pretty good at forgiving. Um, but to the same token, you know, it's one of those things like, I can't frustrate myself with other people in this sense. You know, if they're unwilling to change, then that's on them. I cannot be a force to get them to change. You know, people, people will reveal themselves to you and you just gotta be present and um you know be able to see it they're just not going to change you know i, I keep there's a person in my life um that i know and she she is incapable of making of not making something about her everything is about her and i'm going to get into the la fires but i remember i i, I just remember we were seeing a kind of a post of like you know uh oh my God, oh my God, Uh, 121 degree weather in LA, record high. Thank God I'm on the East Coast. And it's like, you just, and again, because I know this person, right? So sometimes like you might see that tweet and it's like, okay, this was just, you know, it's not the right tweet necessarily, but they're kind of processing certain things and whatever else. But I know this, I know this person and they're based on their patterns and so forth. They just made it about them. And everything just goes back to them, but I can't be frustrated with that because that's they can't they've proven themselves they can't do anything different, so that's not on me right? as Byron Katie would say, like the definition of insanity is me expecting to control other people so the you know i've gone I've definitely gone long on this, but the idea is really really trust your intuition and don't try to control other people once they reveal themselves to you they just act accordingly don't, you don't have to be vindictive you don't have to be vicious you can still be empathetic and open hearted but you don't have to have to do it you know one of the things I was just listening to the More, um, Maria forleo podcast and she had um uh, Shirley Riley I believe was her name forgive me if uh, I've forgotten it um, literally just right before I did this I was listening to it and one of the things that uh, Shirley was talking about was we 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 have the ability very easily to say no we just never know what we're tr- saying no what, what we need to say no to right when when our we're, we're not clear on what our desires are for our life and I don't just mean that from a tangible standpoint and you know kind of more 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 consumerist I mean like you know the the peace and tranquility that you want in, in your life. If you don't have that really defined, then it becomes yeah it becomes very hard to say because you don't know what to say no to. But if you have a clear delineation of like no th- these are these are my primary focuses, then then it becomes very easy to say no. Uh, Ryan Holiday, the author, talks about this a lot. You, you know he loves his writing and he loves his kids, and so he's like if anything. That really doesn't serve me uh, takes away from that then why would I want to do it it's the the answer is clear it's a no if if I have to go do something and I'm I'm being away from my kids that's not that's not what I want to be doing if if it takes me away from my writing that's not what I want to be doing so once once you have it again defined it becomes very easy so really consider that so first clarify what it is you want in life in all aspects creatively um, spiritually all that And make your list, and then anything that doesn't fit that, yeah, have that rule set and say no to things. Um, uh, The other kind of thing that uh, I was I was talking with a friend who's you know he's he's mid twenties, and he's kind of always struggling with like what's his purpose in life, what's his calling, and you know it's great to have ambition. But what I notice of a lot of people is that they always feel like they're better than the job that they're at. And again, it's not to say that they they're, they don't have the qualifications or the skills to do something better. But but who are you and who am I to, to just think that it's automatic? Right? We have to prove ourselves. And you know when i ran after buzz tv as the chief content era uh, sorry chief operating officer uh i nothing nothing was above or below me you know i if 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 the bathrooms needed cleaning i helped clean them up like legitimately and that wasn't it wasn't just a one time occurrence like constantly you know and the reason for that was because i wanted our our space to look good for staff for hosts, and for guests, right, so nothing was below me, and so in that sense, uh, you know, you have to, no matter what you have in life, you have to put um, your best foot forward, you have to give it your all, and be present with it, that's how you prove yourself, that's how, that's how, like, you show the universe, God, or if you don't believe in the spiritual, just, just, uh, people around you, right? Whether your bosses or uh, you know people just that are observing, and it could be your coworkers, but it could also be like let's say customers, for example. If like you're just an amazing employee, at like a Starbucks, uh, and like there's there's someone really high up, and they notice the hustle you got going on, they can see that, and they be like, oh, you know what? I, I see. Do if, if if you're putting this much effort into this job, I can't imagine what you'll do with the job that you actually would want to do. Right? That's how you get those opportunities. But not by being like, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm so, I meant so much, I'm meant for so much better than this. Like, says who? says who? Prove it. Show that you, show that you, by showing responsibility in the thing that you have, it will open doors towards the thing that, yeah, now you can have more responsibility. But it doesn't just come. I'm a firm believer of that. So, take that for what it's worth. <sighs> uh, so, and I know, uh, you know, this is, I wanted to start off with the um, the pitmat event because that's a little bit more creative and I've kind of taken more into the mental aspects and life aspects. And I'm going to kind of continue on that a little bit further. Um, and then I'm going to get back into the creative, I promise. So, you know, usually I like to split it up like creative and, and life, but, uh, but I figured this was the best way to weave stuff in the moment. So, uh, there's a there's a parable where if you want to boil a frog, you don't just boil the water, then throw the frog in because it's going to jump out. What you do is you put the frog into the pot and slowly bring the water to a boil and there's a number of connotations for that like it's 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 basically a fable that you can apply a lot of lessons um, based off of right. Now, it's interesting, A, I would I would encourage you to really consider what the lesson there is for you, because again, you can have multiple perspectives of this. There's not like one right or wrong answer. In fact, uh, I would encourage you, it would be very interesting to see your comments based on this. So comment down below like what you think the lesson of that parable is of the, the frog in boiling water. And let's share it. Comment down below or hit me up on social media at Tech, uh, And let's let's see what we all come up with. But one of the interpretations that I'm looking at, because it's quite so literal, is uh, climate, climate change. You know, I am in Los Angeles. And quite literally, you know, yesterday I was walking my dogs. And it looked very apocalyptic. Now, the reason it looked apocalyptic was because the sky was ashy like it had a fire clouds right everything was very almost like sepia tone and had the reddish and like just just the the hue that you might expect in in a apocalyptic movie you know like let's say a resident evil or something like that it was very very surreal and strange and all that so there's that aspect of it and you know talk about like turning up the temperature of of the water, um, you know, it it was a record high in Woodland Hills. It was 121 degrees in Woodland Hills. Um, so not all parts of LA were as, as hot as that, but certainly I think, you know, a lot of my friends on average, we were like 115, 116 in terms of the temperature. That's just hot. Uh, and you know, I, I had headaches yesterday. I mean, part of it, like I was just trying to survive. I was drinking as much water as I could. I had a wet wash, washcloth all, all over my head just to like keep cool. I, I shaved my head today because I was just, like, I can't, you know, I know there's not like full scientific like, um, you know, evidence that if you if you cut your hair off, it'll it'll help keep things cool. Um, But for me, it's a very much mental thing, if anything. So it certainly has a mental effect. Like by me shaving my head, I feel a lot cooler. And yeah, like it's just very interesting to me. Like at what point do we stop denying that climate change is happening around us? You know, when you have two hurricanes converging in on itself um, at the same time, when you have earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, Um, wildfires at the rate that we're having them it's just it's like at what point are we going to realize that the water's being turned up and we are the frog Um, and also too one of the things that i kind of thought about over the weekend one of the one of the fires that was started was because of a gender reveal party that was like a explode, you know and it was supposed to reveal the gender and that caused the fire now as of today this is monday uh september 7th only a Last I read an hour, uh, a few hours ago, it was only 7% contained. The last, ironically, there, there, there was another instance uh, not too long ago in 2017. This was in Arizona, so it wasn't in California, but Arizona, where they had a gender reveal party. And because of an explosion you know, of the, the thing to, to reveal the gender, it caused 47,000-acre uh, destruction. Um, about 8.2 million dollars of damage. Now, to me the the money is secondary. Like yeah, that's 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 terrible, but again, like $47,000 or 47,000 acres of forestry and so forth just destroyed. Like we can't let this keep happening and and it just speaks to like the decadence of like what Listen, I'm not knocking gender reveal parties. Have a party, uh, enjoy it, you know, be with your friends and whatever. But why, why, why wants me to have like this giant, expo- like just cut a cake, like get creative, but stop putting lives, both human and, and, and animal and, and nature in danger. Like at, at what point are we going to take responsibility for ourselves and realize enough is enough. And, and we only have one earth. I don't know. It's just been on my mind. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I can only do what I can do. And so one of the things that I've been really thinking about is like my part. So coming up that I'll talk about in future weeks um, is my I'm going to do more phone banks. So I'm going to kind of really sit down and give you the experience of how that goes for me. Um, And I'm even considering uh, very heavily of being a poll worker for the election, you know, because, and that's that's not partisan, um, you know, I just want to kind of do my part as much as I can, and so whatever happens this election, I want to be able to say, you know what, I, you know, the phone bank stuff, that is partisan, you know, but I, I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, I did what I could um, to the extent that I could uh, to make a difference. So, um, so I'll talk about that more, more in the future. So that's kind of all the various, uh, life stuff, uh, happening and and things that I've been thinking about. Uh, hopefully it doesn't bum you out too much. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it all kind of comes down to, to what you can control. So don't overwhelm yourself. Any, any problem that you kind of really isolate does become solvable in the moment. So really break it down into bite-sized pieces and you'll start to see that you do have control over things in your lives. You know, don't don't despair. That's not what what I want by talking about these things. I want quite the opposite. I want to empower you. So I hope you feel that. Um, So creatively, I've been working on my script, um, In Search of Sunrise is what it's called as of now. And I have about seventy-seven pages done, so good continu- continued good progress. I was writing every single day last week and continue to do so. But it's interesting, you know, even with an outline that is so amazing and very, very well like crafted and and, and looked at like things really work. Uh, if, you know, there's times when you're like writing the actual script and you get into the scene and you start writing, you're like, is this any good? And you know from the outline it does work and it and like it it it, it has a dynamicism that is engaging, but when, you know once you start writing the the questioning mind enters of like, oh wow, you know, just give up. And Stephen Pressfield would call it resistance. And so it's resistance with a capital R, just being like, no, it's it's not good, it sucks, blah, blah, blah. So just give up. Why are you doing this? Like, you're just torturing yourself and things like that. And so you know, one of the things I've had to kind of just continue on with is, is just getting through it. You know, just getting the ideas on paper. And right now, you have to you have whenever you on like especially on the first draft, you have to take your critical mind out of it and just allow your creating mind to to do its magic. Not everything that comes out of your creating mind is obviously going to be good, but your critical mind can then. Go to work on it later. But if you're judging yourself as you're creating, you're, you're just going to be kind of in that constant loop and you're never going to make progress. So, really, really do yourself a service no matter what you're creating, whether it's poetry, whether it's a painting. You know, just just do it first and then critique it. And you can, you know, adjust things as necessary. Um, Whether with, you know, if it's like a painting, maybe you don't do it with that painting. But, you know, certainly you can paint a new painting, right? So, really, really do what you can to allow yourself. Like, just acknowledge that voice is there of like, okay, uh, you know, hey, this sucks. You know, why you haven't had a good idea. Like, this dialogue is crappy, you know the scene is moving slowly it did, nothing's happening here but just just fight that urge and just be like okay yeah no I, I I know it's not that good work, but you know what let me just let me just see where this goes right and so you just kind of acknowledge it and talk to it and, and just continue on and so that's kind of how I've been working through this and you know once once the script is fully done, then I can go back in and see, okay, wow, you know here's the little bit of gold that that I was looking for when you know that I was trying to get to. When i made it the first time so now let me get rid of the other bullshit around it and elevate and make everything kind of around this right that's that's how you should approach art and so i'm, I'm trying my best at that my goal i'm at 76 pa- or 77 pages i'm at uh bullet point number 11 of 15 in terms of the script so i i don't know uh i think it would be very ambitious to say I'll finish the script by the end of this week because I think it's going to be like a 120 page script like you you know a two hour movie um I think ultimately like it'll I I think realistically it'll be like an hour and 40 in terms of page count but for the first pass because there's so much you know as I said I'm still looking through stuff there's going to be a lot of padded stuff so I think ultimately you know the first draft will be 120 pages so all that to say, I don't think I will finish this week. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try. But as I said, I am one to just continue progress and moving forward. And so that's what I'm going to kind of continue to do. Um, and in this time, you know, um, I, have, I have a co-writer for this screenplay. Now, the way we're tackling it is I'm, I'm just doing this first draft all by myself. And then once I have the first draft, then we'll start to go in on it together. Now, in the time that I'm working on this, I have tasked him uh, with, I said, you know, why don't, why don't you, uh, while, while you're sort of waiting on me with this, why don't you work on the how-to book for my film Idol? You know, I, for those unfamiliar, I'm basically writing uh, a book similar to Rebel Without a Crew, which is by Robert Rodriguez, based on his experience of making his first movie, El Mariachi, for $7,000 dollars. And so it's partly, like, a tactical guide, partly an inspirational guide. And that's, you know, I wanted to do that. And so what I've done so far is I've dictated plenty of chapters. There's a few more, like, chapters that I have yet to dictate. And when I say chapters, these are just, like, parts of making the movie. So, like, color correction, music, editing, uh, writing, casting, acting, so forth, right? Um, So I'm, I'm on, like, the last, last stages of it. But nonetheless, uh, you know, so I said, like, I have all this stuff. Why don't, why don't you work on this since I have, like, all of, the, all of these things already kind of done and, you know, see, you know, start to polish it and get it to a better form while I work on this. And for me, that's a great way to work because obviously things are moving forward. Um, and, you know, uh, this was one of the things that I, I look to cultivate in my life. Um, I recognize this about myself that I a I like working with other people. B, you know, I like to have multiple things going on. But you know, it, it would be a disservice to just constantly every week think that like I can work on fifteen different things. No, I always like based on what I always prioritize. And in this sense, like yeah, I'm I'm working on the script. That's my priority. My priority. But it's not to say, you know, I've got this, there's things like that. So there's things other people can be doing that doesn't require me at this point in time. So it's like, why not? Um, and so, you know, you could say like, oh, well, it's easy for you because you have these people. And it's like, okay, but I, I work to get those people, A, and B, I, I pay those people. So if nothing else, you know, um, go to Upwork, talk to your friends, if you know, whatever else, like find find people that would want to work with you. Um, you know, some might be willing to do it for free. Um, but in my case, like, I don't, you know, I, I see an exchange of value. Um, I expect to get paid for the work that I do. And so I'm paying him for the work that he does. And it's cool because, you know, while I'm working on the script, the the book that I want to publish uh, is continuing forward, right? So there's momentum on both fronts. And that's what's cool. Um, so that's kind of overall the various things that are going on, um, you know, creatively, in terms of consumption, what's been interesting is, you know, tenant is out, Milan is out, and they almost kind of represent two sides of, of an ideology, you know, one's like, okay, let's have theaters reopen, one's like, okay, well, um, we're not going to put people, not that, like, this is explicit necessarily, but like, we're not going to put people at risk, let's, um, we're just going to put out on VOD, and I guess the Mulan part is less about the risk. It's more about people aren't going to come out to movie theaters, so we want to make money, and VOD is going to make us money. So in that sense, it's like, okay, you know, um, let's see who wins out. And I think Mulan overall is kind of winning out, at least U.S. wise, and, you know, we'll see kind of what the long-term cashing in is, if you will. Um... But it's interesting, you know. I like. I don't. I don't have a fear of missing out a lot. But it does. You know. I, I will say, like, you know, Tenet is a movie that I've been looking forward to seeing. Um, you know, I can't see Mulan. I don't have Disney Plus, so um, I'm trying to ask around my friends, and I just haven't had time. Like, I know they will give me, you know, their login. I'm happy to like throw in money to them to 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 you know see it. But as far as tenant, like that's the one. Like, L.A. theaters aren't even open. I think, I, I think San Diego has some theaters open, um, but L.A. certainly doesn't, and so forth. And so, I don't know. It's just a weird thing that a movie's out there that that I would really want to see. Now, unlike most movies, like that I want to see, this is like I don't want I don't want one spoiled for me. I don't want Tenant spoiled. And so, in that regard it's like, how do I avoid this? Um, and, uh, you know, obviously there's a way, but also from that standpoint, it's like, I don't, I don't wanna be pushed to go see a movie just because I don't want it ruined for me. So it's a very interesting time, it's an interesting feeling. Um, and, you know, am I advocating that I wanna see Tenant on like uh, a TV at my house? I mean, I'd do it um, if that was an option, but I'm not necessarily advocating for it. Um, but at the same time, nor am I advocating like, "Oh, I want you know, go recklessly see it at a movie theater." Like, I don't know. It's just, I don't. I, it's 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 something that's brewing in my mind. I don't have complete thoughts. I don't know if there's a right answer. You know, I think I think in all of this, we're all trying to do the best we can based on the information that we have. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share that because it has been on my mind and I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are of that. Now, please, this is not an invitation to spoil *Tenant* for me or anyone else. So don't do that. If you want to give like, if you have seen it and give a quick thought of like, oh, it was worth seeing in the movie theater. Great. Um, I, I would want to know your movie theater experience more so than like, you know, what you fully just thought of the movie. Um, But yeah, let's, you know, let's have a healthy discussion about that. Um, If you're open to it, you know, comment down below or hit me a button on social media. at That's what I have for you. Um, The last thing I'll leave, I guess, is uh, I saw High Rise last week. It was a fun movie. I'm not going to get more into that. I just wanted to kind of drop that in as a last, last nugget. (laughs) Anyway, I appreciate you spending the time with me. I hope you have benefited in some small way from this, whether inspiration, whether tactic, whatever else. It may be if you have any questions, by all means, I'm open to them. Comment down below. Hit me up on social media at PhilSvete. And furthermore, if this has been beneficial uh, and you feel like it might benefit someone in your life, like they might enjoy it, by all means, share it with them. I, I certainly would appreciate it. Thank you, and I hope to see you next time.